Greetings, comrades, and welcome to another episode of Chatter in the Skull. I got a real banger of an episode for you guys. I'm really excited to get into this one. We're going to cover a lot of ground here. It's going to be quite a wild ride. So I hope you're sitting down and I hope you're prepared. As you can see, I'm in my ridiculous leaf pattern shirt and I am rip-roaring and ready to go. But before we get into things, I want to take a little bit of time and talk about something that I've been really enjoying recently. So as most of you probably know, I'm a big fan of strategy games. And recently, an old classic was re-released that I've been enjoying quite immensely. And I don't think I've ever really talked about this on any of my channels before, but I'm a huge fan of the Advanced War series. In fact, it's one of my favorite titles growing up as a kid. Always have very nostalgic memories for that particular franchise. But at long last, after many delays and quite a journey, Advanced Wars has been rebooted on the Nintendo Switch, and I picked it up, not just because I'm a fan of the series, but it's also a really great game that I can just pick up and put down without skipping a beat, which is something I really need, particularly if I'm looking after the little guy. So in any case, I was very happy that finally Advanced Wars has landed on the Switch, and I got to play it. And everything was great. It was a joyous, nostalgic occasion that was until I learned one thing, which utterly destroyed all the fun I could have with this game, which is this is no longer advanced wars, more like advanced woke. Boom. <laughs> Got him. How is this game woke? You might ask. Let me tell you, they have included minority characters in the game. Just look at those infantry squads. You can see, oh my god, there are black people in there. There are black people in it. Can you see? They're black people. That wasn't in the original game. Not in the original game. They totally put that in there under woke pressure. Yeah, okay. You can get that Orange Star has some black people in it because they're an allegory for the United States. But Blue Moon, they're Russian Yellow Covid. Okay, yeah, they're Japan. They're not supposed to have black people. And of course, Green Earth. They're Germany. They're supposed to be the Nazis. They definitely don't have black people. And let me tell you one thing right here, right now. If my factions loosely based upon realistic countries aren't exactly the same in every single way as those realistic countries, I cannot enjoy it in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. All that I can see is just how much this game has surrendered to the woke mob. Anyway, that was obviously not my real opinion in any way, shape, or form. But what is real is, of course, that you saw in the trailer that they have, quote-unquote, diversified the infantry squads. And you can see there's a Blue Moon Artillery Brigade with Grit. He's my favorite CO. Anyway, they have black people. They're driving the artillery. It's crazy. But the first thing I thought when I saw that, I was like, man, how much would conservatives get triggered if they saw this? Anyway, that little thought, that little moment, just once again underscored something that I have been thinking for such a long time and is the main theme of the show that I've been really teasing at and beating around the bush at. But now it's time to outright lay down my thesis on this one, which is today I'm going to explain to you why conservatives are now the new SJWs, quote unquote. But before we do that, just to wrap up on Advanced Wars, I do want to say it's a great game. They did a pretty good job with the remake. I like the art style and everything. My only real complaints is that the AI, still junk, still bad. A little bit better than it was in the GBA version, but the AI is notoriously dumb. And they didn't do a whole lot to fix that. 
And for whatever reason, after 20 plus years, Andy still does not know what an airport is. Either way, in my opinion, in terms of pure turn-based strategy, there really isn't any other game quite like Advanced Wars and any other game that is really as good as Advanced Wars in that genre. So again, pretty happy with it. Now onwards to the main event, but just a few quick things to preface here. First off, you are going to see some wonderful AI images of various conservative figures reimagined as quote-unquote social justice warriors. This is supposed to be Jordan Peterson as a rainbow-haired activist. What I will say is that doing a number of these is that you'll see like Jordan, he has these like weird arguments with chat GBT. Definitely gives off the impression that he does not like AI and that AI does not like him. What I will say is that going through a number of these, it always makes the subject of the transformation look considerably less ghoulish, actually. So the AI actually does, I think, a good job in getting their better side. But that being said, today's episode is definitely going to mean something different depending on what side of the political spectrum you are on. So if you're on the left, what I really want you to do is just sit back and watch this list of right-wing hypocrisy unfold before you and enjoy it. I myself obviously think there's nothing wrong with being a quote-unquote social justice warrior or quote-unquote woke. It's more meant to frame it in a perspective that they despise, that they don't like, not necessarily from our political perspective. But the fact of the matter is the quote-unquote social justice warriors and extreme woke types that these conservatives rail against on their talk shows don't really exist in real life. I tend to run in a lot of left-wing circles, and I've never actually run into a person that would fit that very stereotypical definition of a social justice warrior. I've never had a left-wing person tell me to check my privilege or fake ally or any of that kind of crap. Virtually all of the left-wing people I've ever dealt with my entire life have been extraordinarily polite, upfront, and great people to deal with. I definitely am a pretty left-wing guy. Say, for example, on my Discord, there are some people on there that make me look like Mussolini in comparison. But even them, the most left-wing of the left-wing people that I know, they have none of the negative traits that you usually associate with a social justice warrior. So the point of this is not to take digs at SJWs, quote-unquote, whatever, but more to show that the conservatives have become the very thing that they have hated and feared for so many years. And if you happen to be on the right wing watching this, what I hope from you is that when this is all said and done, you have a moment where if you've watched The Office, there's an episode where Michael forces Jim and Dwight basically to sit down in a room and hash it out in terms of this conflict resolution. And Michael's got this box from Topi, which has every single prank that Jim has pulled on Dwight over the years. And he's reading them out one by one. And as he's reading him out, Jim kind of has this realization that, hey, these aren't actually as funny as I thought they were now that they're being read out back to back to back to back to back. And what I hope is that you have a similar realization of seeing a lot of these things shown to you back to back to back. You kind of have a similar realization that, hey, maybe this isn't the best way to be spending my time. Maybe politics should be done in a better way. Maybe it's time for a little self-reflection. So I've been working on this episode for quite some time, and I had a list of 35 points that I was like, going to go through. I've hemmed those down to not only, I guess, the most poignant, but also in regards to a lot of the things that are happening right now, because there just happens to be a lot of things happening right now that 
help me reinforce this argument that I'm trying to make. So we're going to be going through a lot of different things. Some of them happening currently, some of them happening in the recent past to give a full picture here. Let's start with the first point that I think the conservatives have really gone mask off on this one and really revealed what their true intentions are. So my first point is that conservatives are the new SJWs because they are anti-free speech. And this one has so many recent examples that it I had to do some calling to get to the ones that I thought were the best and most poignant. But this one just happened very recently and is just such an incredible display of what I mean. So let us start off here by introducing Montana State Congresswoman Zoe Zephyr. Now, a week ago, very few people probably knew about Zoe. However, things changed very recently when on the floor of the Montana State House, Zoe Zephyr took some time to accurately call out Republicans on the ramifications that their anti-trans legislation will have for transgendered youth and adults. For if you do not know, Zoe Zephyr happens to be a transgendered woman. And I believe, I'm not 100% sure, I believe she's the first transgendered woman elected to the Montana State House of Representatives. And because of this impassioned speech that she gave, the Republicans decided that this came to a head on Wednesday, that they would censor her from the House of Representatives here in Montana. And what that effectively means is that she can no longer come to the House. She can't speak. She can't say anything on any bills. She can't debate. All she can do is vote remotely whenever voting happens. And this is going to take effect for the entirety of 2023. For 2023, they are just effectively banning her and banning her constituents from speaking in the House of Representatives. So what exactly did she say? What exactly is going on? I'm going to play for you her speech, which got her censored. And I think it's important just, it's, it's not long, we're only sit here and watch two minutes, but I was originally thinking of just quoting it, but I think it's important to actually see what she said, see the tone, see everything and let it unfold. So just quickly before I play the video, what they are debating is a bill in Montana which would effectively ban gender-affirming health care for minors. So that's the context. Let us watch. Disallow the use of the medical care that is accepted by every major medical association. If you disallow that care and don't allow people to, to have access to that, the only therapy left is either A, meaningless, or B, conversion therapy, which is torture. I also want to point out, again, Gender-affirming care is not Orwellian newspeak, as it says in this letter. It is accepted by every major medical association. I will also say what I said down committee earlier. This bill uses, tries to define male and female as binary. You could not legislate binary sex any more than you could legislate the, that the earth is flat. Intersex people exist, trans people exist, and this bill doesn't change that. Lastly, I would say that there were conversations at the end of this, the very end of the bill, the letter that says life-altering medical procedures should wait until they are adults. What I will say is if you are 
by this bill and by the, what these amendments do, if you are forcing a trans child to go through puberty when they are trans, that is tantamount to torture. And this body should be ashamed. And if you vote yes on this amendment and yes on this bill, ooh, I love this. Does everyone want to stand? Representative Zephyr, would you like to close? Oh, sorry, I'm yielding to the Majority Leader. Majority Leader Venton. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I speak on behalf of our caucus. We will not be shamed by anyone in this chamber. We are better than that. Representative Zephyr. And the only thing I will say is if, I, if you vote yes on this bill and yes on these amendments, I hope the next time there's an invocation, when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands. And that's it. That, that's all she said. So, of course, hearing the truth about the impact that their legislation will have on people greatly triggered Republicans. They didn't like hearing that this might have a negative impact on specifically young children. So as a result, the Montana Freedom Caucus got together and basically demanded that she be censored and that they don't allow her to speak anymore, don't allow her to debate, which is definitely a very freedom-oriented thing to do to try and stop people from speaking. Nothing says that you believe in your actions and ideology like refusing to face the people who oppose you. And that is another way how conservatives are the new SJWs, but we'll get to that point. So at first, they didn't actually censor Zoe. Basically, what happened is that in the time after this, the Speaker of the Montana House would refuse to let her speak. He would gavel her down every time she would try and speak. This came to a head when her supporters essentially came to the gallery and started protesting and, and chanting, let her speak, let her speak. At this point, she had the audacity to hold up her mic to her to the protesters and that, that was the big issue. That was the breach of decorum, which they jumped on to basically go for the outright full censoring of her, which has just happened. So now that we have this all laid out before, how can anyone ever possibly justify to be in favor of freedom and free speech after voting to censor this woman? There was absolutely nothing within the context of that speech which even deserved any monicum of condemnation, let alone any degree of censorship. And they go on this big, like, oh, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, it's not respectful, she's breaking decorum. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Seriously? Let's take a scenario and reimagine some of the variables. Let's say that you have a lawmaker who goes up there and does Matt Walsh's whole tap dance about child mutilation and blah, 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 and says that if you um, vote to promote gender-affirming care for minors, then you have their blood on your hands. Some sort of crap like that. And this resulted in this person being eventually censored and removed from the House of Representatives for whatever state this scenario was happening in. You pure fucking believe that right-wingers would be screaming to the hills that, oh my God, you guys are so triggered by what they said. They're, you're trying to censor them. You can't handle the truth. Blah, 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 blah. But it turns out that conservatives actually don't give a shit about free speech. It turns out that freedom of speech ends at a conservative's feelings. Who knew? 
But oh no, dear comrades, conservatives are not just anti-freedom of speech, but they are anti-freedom of expression. It's a very closely related cousin. And in my opinion, I would classify what you wear as your freedom of expression. Your clothing is an expression of your identity, and what you wear is an aspect of how you choose to present yourself and express yourself. I've decided to express myself today as if I were a forced. This is my choice, and you can't take it away from me. But in Tennessee, they have decided that they don't like certain ways that people decide to dress. They have decided that certain ways that people decide to dress hurts their feelings, and they don't like it, and they want to get rid of it. And guys, there's been a lot of talk in left-wing circles about how messed up Florida and Texas are getting, but low-key Tennessee is worse than them all because there are just some friggin' wild legislation coming out of that state. So this is Tennessee Senate Bill 3, and thankfully on April 1st, this bill was stayed by a federal judge. It says right here, Tommy Parker, walking um, under First Amendment concerns. Huh, very strange that there might be First Amendment concerns. But effectively, Tennessee was the first state in the United States to try and ban drag outright. Here is another prime example about how they want to control people's freedom of expression and how and what they do and what they wear. Here's the thing that always boggles my mind when I hear conservatives like talk about this kind of shit and their justification for banning drag and whatnot. It's either think of the children, which thank you, I'll think of my own children very much. I don't need your help. And two, they make the argument that drag is being forced down their throat and they're being forced to accept it or something like that. And the only way to gain their freedom from being forced into it is to ban it themselves is what the argument essentially boils down into, which is ridiculous. Like, I've never understood this argument why they think left-wing people want to force everyone into drag or some nonsense. It's all just about giving the culture the space to exist, the space to have the people who enjoy it enjoy it. Nobody out there is saying that drag has to be your jam and you have to dress in drag. Absolute nonsense. The only thing that people on the left have ever wanted on this issue is for those who want to enjoy it to have the freedom to enjoy it without fear of judgment or belittlement or, of course, being outright censored or banned. It's always been about letting the individual express their freedom in the manner that they choose to. And apparently, conservatives just can't handle that. And in regards to this, I'm not going to play this clip. Our freedom-loving friend Ben Shapiro comes out and says that local communities should be able to ban men from wearing traditional clothing in public. And this, to me, is another really weird thing that conservatives and a lot of conservatives do, and not all of them. And this is one of the reasons why I can always get along with true right-wing libertarian conservatives, even though we have heavy, heavy disagreements on economics. They understand that the right of the individual supersedes the right of the local community. So, for example, the true right-wing libertarian understands that the individual's freedom of choice to say what they want to say and express themselves how they want to express themselves supersedes the state's want to ban and restrict that individual choice and freedom. This is why they're actually in favor of things like gay marriage across the board in every state 
because they understand that the individual's right to choose who they want to marry supersedes the state's right to decide who can marry and who can't. And here we have our next biggest freedom-loving conservative. Matt Walsh comes out here and says in response to Lizzo bringing drag performers out in a show in Tennessee, he says, throw her in jail. Because this is how the people who love freedom respond to those that they disagree with and those who are doing things that they don't agree with. They say, you know what? We should take all their freedoms away and throw them in jail. Again, for the conservative, your freedom only ends where their interests end and where their wants end. At the point where you pick up and try and express yourself in a manner that they don't agree with, all those principles that they prattled on for years are instantly discarded. These people are not principled actors in any way, shape, or form. I just don't know how you undergo the sort of mental gymnastics to convince yourself that you are demanding that people be thrown in jail for expressing themselves in ways that you don't like, yet you are the one that is somehow fighting for freedom of expression and free speech and for freedom at large for people. It's so delusional. Here's our next boy, Steven Crowder, is a pink-haired feminist activist. But do you see what I mean by the AI makes them actually look less ghoulish? In any case, the next big point we're going into is that conservatives are the new SJWs because they get triggered by everything. And, of course, we just went over about how conservatives got so triggered by Zoe Zephyr explaining to them the ramifications of their legislation that they decided to take away her fundamental freedoms. But speaking of triggered, there is no better example. I'm sure you, many of you have seen this TikTok that's been going around with this guy is at a Walmart destroying all the Bud Light beer cans because they had the audacity to, they didn't even release a whole line of cans with Dylan Mulvaney, a TikTok influencer. They didn't release, like I said, like a whole can. It was like one can just for her that she showed off for her social media. And this was enough to cause the absolute meltdown of conservatives everywhere. And uh, the crown jewel of this being this particular meltdown right here. So let's watch it. I, I did take off the sound for this because there's nothing like you just hear him smashing the cans. And I want to talk over it too. But my, my favorite thing about this is, A, he didn't always get the right cans because he's destroying some ones that are not the Bud Light cans. And now they're throwing it at people like a crazy person. But my favorite thing about this is this doesn't even hurt Bud Light at all. Because for the way it works for Bud Light, their sale is to Walmart. And then Walmart makes the profit by reselling it to you, right? That's how fucking retailers work. So essentially, Bud Light's already got their money for that beer, man. It doesn't matter. They've already got their money for that beer. And by you destroying it, effectively, that's not going to change anything. It's not going to stop anybody from doing what they want. And it's certainly not going to hurt the bottom line of Bud Light in any way, shape, or form. Here is the upstanding citizen in question that knocked over all those beers. But in any case, I just can't imagine getting so animated about something like this to the point where I go to a store, make a huge ridiculous scene, throw shit everywhere, <laughs> throw crap on the floor, and then get arrested for it. 
how does this happen to somebody? How does somebody get so worked up in this kind of mind space that they decide, you know what, right now, this is the best course of action for me. Gotta stop the woke. This triggered me so bad. Gotta go out there and smash all the beer cans. But from my perspective, I personally don't drink Bud Light and certainly not going to drink Bud Light now. Again, this is one of the things I do always like to make fun of corporations for in regards to trying like advertising to left-wing people. I'm not going to buy your shit just because you, you did a little bit of rainbow capitalism. I'm happy that, you know, you're doing rainbow capitalism instead of let us abuse minorities and crush people who are downtrodden in society capitalism. We're just doing that, I guess, on a broader scale to us all collectively. But at the very least, it shows that transgender people, yes, are getting more acceptance in society. And that's a great thing. And that fact is triggering the transphobic people out there greatly. And this is part of the reason why transphobic content is so popular. It turns out that anti-trans politics are extremely unpopular. And the reason for that being is because the overwhelming majority of people out there, the average normie person, is not in their heart anti-trans. Of course, they're not going to make trans issues their number one political driving force. They're probably not going to go out there to rallies. They're probably not going to go out there and drive forward trans issues. But by the same token, the overwhelming majority of people are going to look at a guy like Matt Walsh who hates trans people so much and wonder what the hell is wrong with this guy. Because the status of most people towards trans people, I would classify as neutral goodwill. Again, most people aren't really willing to go out of their way to do as much as they probably should to help trans people. But that being said, they don't want to see them crushed and destroyed and marginalized out of society either. In fact, they want that much less than, than the opposite. But the people who are very transphobic kind of know that their time is up or it's coming up or coming to a close and that their politics are not going to be very viable for much longer. So they will cling on to the people who validate their ideas, who validate their worldview as tightly as they can. And the people who are actually willing to go out there and play this transphobic game are the ones that will attract these people and get their attention and money and so on and so forth. And in regards, again, to trans people and triggering conservatives, it's now time to move on to the next mass triggering. And this is something, I guess, that kind of delves into the realm of internet drama. Don't want to spend too much time there, but let's spend a little bit of time talking about the Mr. Beast situation. So this is one of those YouTube stories which is bleeding over into the mainstream. It was very easy to find tons of mainstream news articles about this, which to me is funny. I think it's always funny when this YouTube conflicts end up spilling over to the quote-unquote mainstream. I especially love watching the mainstream's interpretation of it. It's like listening to someone who's never seen two human beings interact try and describe how they're interacting. Like an alien trying to describe humanity for the first time. Like it's just super wooden and stiff and awkward. They're getting some parts of it and other parts of it. But I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time going to the details of this particular one because I think it's so big. And Mr. Beast is the biggest YouTuber out there. I'm assuming the overwhelming majority of people out there know at least of him. I am actually not a subscriber. I never really even knew 
much about his YouTube channel until recently. Had a little couple of political run-ins, but eventually that's going to happen when you get big enough because your politics are going to be forced out. It's part of the reason why you should always get your politics out there sooner rather than later so you're not blindsiding anybody. But Mr. Beast, I'm not exactly sure when this happened, has overtaken PewDiePie as the single biggest YouTuber, and it seems like he's going to retain that crown for quite some time because his channel is spectacularly huge. We're talking bigger than most countries' type of subscriber counts. Massive, massive, massive clout. And one of the most influential figures for a younger generation. The first time I actually heard of Mr. Beast and learned that he had become the biggest YouTuber overtaking PewDiePie was when I heard about this particular video, which is called 1,000 Blind People Are Cured for the First Time. This caught my attention because there was a little bit of a backlash from some left-wing people in regards to how this video was framed. And I did not like some of the conversation that was happening around it. A lot of people talking about this were talking about a serious issue, but misinterpreting and misplacing the blame onto Mr. Beast himself when he didn't really have anything to be blamed for in regards to this. The first one I saw being a little bit critical was actually from Muncat. Shout out to her. She's one of my favorite YouTubers out there. I just wish she'd make a video more often every 37 years, but uh, she made a tweet criticizing him. Basically, the argument she was making is a really good and really strong argument, and it's uh, derived, I think, from Oscar Wilde's The Soul of Modern Man Under Socialism, which the argument is against charity in and of itself in the sense that it perpetuates poverty and despair over the long term that it's much easier, and this is a direct quote from him, that it's much easier to have sympathy with suffering than sympathy with thought. So when we go out and try and alleviate the suffering, these are admirable intentions. However, they are misdirected in terms of what the actual issue is, which is the system which has caused the suffering in the first place. But yeah, so I thought some of the criticisms in regard to that video were unfair. It's not his fault. And even he himself, I believe, came out and basically said that, yeah, the system's fucked up when these people have to rely on the philanthropy of a YouTube millionaire to come and cure this really basic ailment. And the whole argument is that, yes, it's of course better for these people to have this surgery, but they're still going to be living in the same situation which produced this misery in the first place. And that is the issue that we as a society need to think about resolving. Obviously, there's nothing that, you know, Mr. Beast's individual, your eyes individuals can necessarily really do. It's a more collective thought process than a collective action process. And I also saw left-wing people doing this with PewDiePie as well, like just continually shooting themselves by criticizing these really big YouTubers. Not a smart political strategy, in my opinion. And now, thankfully, I'm watching the right shoot itself in the foot. If anything, I'm actually watching the right hacksaw its foot off in regards to their criticism of this particular YouTuber. I'm assuming most of you guys know that Mr. Beast kind of has an entourage of his friends in his crew that regularly appear in his videos, and that one of his friends, Chris Tyson, recently revealed that they are undergoing hormone therapy, that they are undergoing a transition, that they started basically wearing more feminine clothing, wearing their hair longer, painting their nails, and so on and so forth. And then this was a change and a shock for a lot of people because he had been apparently known as a really average guy's guy, guy who likes guns, trucks, rednecks, redneck type of guy. So this transformation was jarring for a lot of people. 
And to those people who, you know, this is a jarring transformation, so what? Chris owes you absolutely no obligation to stay the way that you have come to know them throughout their tenure in the Mr. Beast videos. They have zero obligation to you. The fact of the matter is that they want to live their lives in the way that is most congruent to themselves. And if that triggers you, you should probably grow up because again, these people don't owe you anything. And one thing I don't think that content creators should do is please their audience at the expense of their own pleasure and their own self-satisfaction. And I think more YouTubers need to be honest about that because if they're not, then again, you can, then you can get a lot of emotional issues and emotional baggage start to set in because ultimately I need to have a good time while I'm doing the show or there is no show, or I guess there could be, but it would just be exponentially worse because I think you can see when that passion drains from somebody. And that passion does start to drain when you start to sacrifice your own wants and what you want to do as a creator at the expense of what other people are demanding from you. So my big thing to Chris is that he should have the absolute leeway to live his life, how he wants to live his life. I think it's pretty clear that there are some people who are against him, but the overwhelming majority of people are on his side, but not everybody. And this brings me to one of the most spectacularly messed up YouTube videos I have ever seen in my life. And this, of course, brings me to this dumpster fire of a video. Not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because a lot of people have really raked this one over the coals for how ridiculous and awful and just how unfair and messed up the presentation is. The way he frames this is if Mr. Beast continues to be friends with Chris, that it will damage his brand and hurt his YouTube channel, which is completely ridiculous because the fact of the matter that anti-trans people are a minority. They always will be a minority. In fact, in this video, Sunny V2 says the silent majority might balk at seeing a man who used to be masculine exhibit feminine traits. I'm not saying exactly what he said, but basically he dog whistled quote unquote to the silent majority. And uh, let me tell you right now, conservatives, when it comes to trans issues, there is no silent majority. There is no one coming to save you on this issue. This issue is going to destroy you. But this whole video just reeks of, he can't say what he's wanting to say. So he's keeping it underneath the surface just enough. So the people who know what he's trying to say can understand what he's trying to say and what he's trying to say. And if he could say this outright, he probably would, which is that he believes that trans people are icky and weird and creepy, and he doesn't want to see them given any type of spotlight or stage or platform in mainstream society. The honest conservatives are just outright showing their rage, showing their pure triggered rage about a trans person appearing in a prominent YouTube channel. There is one way in which this evolution of conservatism is not like the SJWs of old, because at least the SJWs of old always had the balls to announce their political positions loudly and proudly. But in this video, he won't. He will try and launder his opinions effectively through random YouTube comments and try and frame this as the backlash to Chris transitioning is just drama within the community 
and not anti-trans people being angry at the visibility of a trans person. Like, why won't you just come out and say it, Sonny? Why won't you just come out and say it, that you think that this is going to ruin Mr. Beast's brand because you think trans people are weird and you don't like them? That's why, even in comparison to the SJWs in his mind, Sonny V2 is a little bitch because he doesn't have the balls to actually stand up and say what he truly believes. And that I can have absolutely no respect for. I can give Matt Walsh at least the tiniest, tiniest modicum of respect because at least you know where he stands. He is a transphobic piece of shit and he is proud that he is a transphobic piece of shit. This guy pretends that he's not and tries to weasel around the issue. And, oh, God, it's so pathetic. So again, I know we're all over the place, but the whole point is to just show you examples, 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 examples of this kind of hypocrisy unfolding. And let's take another example of a conservative getting triggered on the Trigonometry podcast. I've actually heard about these guys, the Trigonometry podcast, but I actually didn't know that this woman, Pearl, apparently is her name, it's actually a big deal in the right wing. And I'm surprised by that. I'm usually pretty good at keeping up with these right wing personalities, but this one just slipped through the cracks. And I, I talked about her. I didn't realize this until after the fact that in our episode about Andrew Tate, where I did that debate that destiny was on, she was on it and I didn't know who the hell she was. And I was like, why is this chick here? She, she's not adding anything valuable to the conversation. She's not saying anything intelligent. She's clearly here just to stir the pot. And uh, yeah, that's what she does. She's just goes around, says crazy shit, stirs the pot and uses that basically to try and get views and money and attention. And you know what? It works. I can't, I can't deny that it works, but I do think that you have to sell your soul to get there. And she, she kind of gives off the whole soulless humunculi sort of vibe. So anyway, this issue here shows her getting triggered in real time when pushed about her interview with outright neo-Nazi, maybe not even neo, just outright Nazi, Nick Fuentes, where basically on, I, I haven't seen, to be fair, I haven't seen the actual interview with her and Fuentes. I do try and limit my intake of Nick Fuentes because he just shouldn't really be given any kind of platform at all because he really is legitimately the worst kind of racist that there is imaginable. Because apparently in this interview, he outright tells one of the women in the interview that she shouldn't have a black boyfriend because he believes race mixing is bad. And as someone who is in a mixed race relationship and has mixed race children, not a fan of that discourse. And the fact of the matter is like, if you are against race mixing now in the 21st century, you genuinely have to be the worst kind of racist out there at this point to really be holding on to that one because it's just been proven time and time and time and time and time again that genetic diversity is the way to go. But I think people are, in general, more attracted to people of different races because it fulfills an evolutionary drive for us for genetic diversity. And the only reason we haven't had more interracial couples in the past is one, just distance, right? We couldn't really travel around. It's very difficult to travel around, but in those areas, right, where there were different races bordering one another, there was always tons of intermixing and intermarrying and that sort of thing. 
But in addition to that, there are also political considerations that are put on top of that. For example, countries want to make sure they have the most amount of population, the most amount of people. Religions want to make sure they have the most amount of adherence. So they bring in systems to try and force people to stay within their own religious groups or national groups when naturally people want to break out of those and experience other cultures and experience other people. All right, guys, so let's watch this clip. It's only a minute long. And I just want to remind you guys, uh, all of these people here are on, on the right. They're all right-leaning, supposedly all in the same boat, all agreeing on the same ideas type of thing. But we're going to watch these guys actually push back here on Pearl a little bit for bringing Nick onto her show. So what is, what do you think your responsibility is when you bring on controversial guests onto the show? Do you have any responsibility? What, what do you believe? For the guests? Oh, no, not for the guests. Mm -hmm. For the content that you put out, Pearl. Yeah, I'm responsible for all the content I put out. You're responsible for all the content that you put out. And do you now look at that and think you shouldn't have done that? You made an, a mistake? You made an error? What, what, I don't regret having someone controversial on. If I had to do it again, I would have maybe had someone on the opposite end of the argument that could push back. But how I probably would have did it if I had to do it again, one full interview with both of them, let them talk, let them say what they're going to say, and then bring them together. So who would you have on the other side? So you'd have- Dr. Umar! <laughs> yeah, but, but that's not, that's, but those are two people who share the same political, the same viewpoint. It's just one happens to be white, one happens to be mm -hmm. black. Mm -hmm. That's not, that, that, that is, that's playing on, do you see that's kind of identity well, politics? Well, yeah, but then we did a whole panel with people that disagreed with him, so. We did do that. All right. Yeah. I, I, it, it, what I'm a bit confused about is you did a whole apology, but yeah. it sounds Can like you you're stop not- stop asking me about this? Like yeah. I, I yeah, said- It kind of matters. I, I have a statement coming out yeah. about it, so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll leave it to your statement. Yeah. yeah it's very evident that she is not happy. I take these off now, but it's very evident she is not happy to be pushed on this issue. And she is not happy to have this kind of uh, intensive interviewing and being held to the fire. And I do want to commend these guys, even though I definitely don't agree with them politically. Um, I do want to commend them on holding her feet to the fire and holding her accountable for bringing a literal Nazi onto her show. I do wish that they had pushed just a little bit harder when <laughs> she had said, can we please not talk about this? I would, I, I don't know, maybe I would be cheeky. Who knows? But uh, it's obvious that they don't want to burn the bridge, right? They don't want to burn this popular guest or whatever by pushing her buttons too much. So they're going to back off when I really think that they were closing in for, maybe they knew that they were closing in for the kill. They didn't actually want to get the kill, so they, they backed off a little bit. This brings me into our next point. All right, our next friend, and you may not recognize him because he actually has hair in this image, is Tim Pool. Tim Pool reimagined as an SJW. So moving into our next point, sirs are the new SJWs because they are constantly infighting and purity spiraling. The purity spiraling isn't so much new. The infighting is definitely new as they are realizing that their political prospects aren't quite as good as they thought they were five years ago and that they're losing their grip a little bit. So let's talk about the ways in which conservatives are purity spiraling. There is one, and this actually has, uh, to be fair, has died away. I don't see too many conservatives actually using this as a litmus test. Then again, maybe I'm not looking into the super deep right-wing circles out there. But one of the 
litmus tests that that conservative boy Stephen Crowder offered was that effectively that if unless you are willing to disbar the FBI in its entirety, then you should not be considered a viable Republican candidate. So I guess that wasn't that long ago. This actually came out almost a okay. So less than a year ago, this came out where. Crowder comes out and says right here, demands all Republicans support dismantling the FBI and all intelligence services. I think we can all agree that this is a pretty extreme position, that even the most left of left-wing people aren't out there demanding that the FBI be dismantled or anything like that. You'll see some kind of like really hardcore defund the police people, but even them, it's more reduce the police budget. Of course, that doesn't quite sound as pithy or roll off the tongue as nicely. But for me, I remember reading this and, and feeling like this was like one of the real beginnings of a division in conservative thought was going to be what to do about the FBI. But in terms of another division or conservative thought, we just saw it between Pearl and the trigonometry hosts, which is that there is a debate within conservative circles as to how far we should go to accommodate far-right neo-Nazis, whereas some believe that they effectively should be brought in and given a platform under the right-wing umbrella as all these other groups which are represented in the right-wing political sphere, while as other right-wing people and Republicans realize that bringing in a literal Nazi to your party and your platform and inviting them into your political sphere is political suicide and most people are going to look at that and think, holy crap, these people are crazy. So we are seeing this, I guess you can maybe almost see it as like a pure free speech litmus test on the right, where they believe that no matter how crazy or ridiculous the ideas of their guests, they should have the opportunity to say them on their platform. While again, more pragmatic conservatives are realizing that this is a losing political proposition and are trying to sound the alarm, you know, get this guy out of here, get this guy out of here. You're doing serious damage to our political movement. And of course, last year when Trump invited Fuentes to Florida, to his Mar-a-Lago resort, similar type of infighting in the right. In fact, I remember at that time, Crowder came out and said a statement, basically, I think it was like on Instagram or something, one of these social media platforms where it's like, can we all come together and just agree that Hitler is bad? Can we all just agree on that statement? And of course, not all, a sizable percentage of his comments were like, no, we're not agreeing with that statement. We can't agree with that type of thing. But the real big litmus test within the right, and this seems to be with pretty much everything in the right now, boils down to their stance on trans people. I don't know if you guys remember this little segment that came out a couple months ago, but this was maybe the first even remotely pro-trans segment that I'd ever seen on Fox News ever. It's a very brief video about this family in California who had a daughter who was a transgender male who began transitioning at a young age. And because of this transition starting at a young age, his life is a lot better. He's a lot happier and healthier than he would be otherwise. And the number one thing right now you cannot do in right-wing circles is show trans people living normal, regular lives 
and effectively just normalizing them within society in any way. Can't do that. That has to be stopped immediately. So the moment this segment comes out, Walsh, Poole, you know, all the clown cars jumping on this immediately and trying to tear down Fox News. How dare you support this degeneracy? How dare you put trans issues front and center? How dare you say anything positive or make any type of insinuation that trans people might exist and deserve respect? If you support trans issues, you're not a real conservative. You're out of the movement. We don't want you anymore. Hmm. Sounds familiar to a type of people that the conservatives believed were a real issue a couple of years ago. Hmm. Sounds like they're acting a lot like those people. Isn't that weird? But I guess beyond that, the and in terms of the political, tangible dividing lines within the right, right now it's very clear we can see the Trump-DeSantis lines lining up. Effectively, you have the Trumpist wing of the Republican Party, this new, however you want to define it, type of conservatism that he has brought into the party and that he's injected the party with. And of course, the more establishment, old school conservatism represented by Ron DeSantis, although injected with a tiny bit of that Trumpism to hopefully try and make it more palatable to this modern conservative audience. But it's very clear that the establishment supports and wants Ron DeSantis to become the new figurehead for the Republican Party. They believe that Donald Trump can't win in a general election, which I think is a fair assessment. But not only that, they want somebody who will be a little bit more beholden to them, a little bit more agreeable to them, a little bit less unpredictable. Ron DeSantis is certainly more predictable and level-headed than Donald Trump. But what is becoming very clear over the last few months, and that's one of the things that I, I talked about, how I, I didn't know if Donald Trump is really going to experience this downfall in the Republican Party because he has that X factor that really just energizes the Republican base. And because of that, you can't count him out in a Republican primary. So anyway, right now, the tangible lines in terms of where you stand on the right are being drawn between the establishment DeSantis and the Donald Trump new right, if you will. And this is an issue which has been boiling under the surface, and now we're starting to see some splashes bubbling up. One of the big splashes we just saw was Tucker Carlson getting fired from Fox News just recently. And there are several reasons why people are speculating as to why he was fired. But one of the reasons people speculate is because he was still boosting Trump. He was still sucking Trump off in a time when the management was saying, it's time to abandon Trump. We're going lockstep with DeSantis. And Tucker obviously didn't do that. And that was um, probably one of many reasons why he ended up getting let go. My favorite reason is I like to believe that it was personal. Apparently Rupert Murdoch's ex-fiance, a big thing for Tucker and believed he was the like a messenger from God or some Messiah or some shit. And this disturbed him greatly because Murdoch is not a religious conservative. He's an economic conservative. And uh, this caused him basically to break up with his fiance. And then maybe as a little extra fuck you to her little, little middle finger, he cancels her favorite show. 
Although I, I don't think that that necessarily was the reason, but it probably certainly didn't hinder his, hinder his decision to fire Tucker. And you can already see there's another dividing line between the right being drawn. Was Fox News right to fire Tucker? Of course, the hardcore far right, no, Tucker all the way. They fired him because he was too woke, or sorry, he was too anti-woke, even Fox News type of thing. And of course, the more we are learning about what's going on behind the scenes of Fox News, it becomes, honestly, becomes more shocking that they didn't fire the guy sooner. So we can see these fault lines emerging on cultural issues and racial issues and governmental issues and economic issues in the right, which threaten to really seriously divide the party into irreparable chunks. And I know that was a faster one, but I'm going to move on to my last segment, which again is I could go on. I have more examples that I could bring to the fore, but we're going to do our last example for today. And last, but certainly not least, we have Ben Shapiro reimagined as a blue-haired feminist activist. And uh, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this one, but I will say of all the ones it, that we've seen so far, it is my favorite. So let's move into the last reason why conservatives are the new SJWs, which is that they are terrible with families. And quite frankly, they seem to hate them. Although honestly, I probably should have switched out Benny Boy for, for that point, because for all of his flaws, I actually think that Ben Shapiro is probably the one guy on the right that actually has a somewhat decent family life. And I think that he and his wife might actually have a good relationship. So I do think that he actually can walk the walk, Ben Shapiro that is, in regards to his family talk. But unfortunately, there is one figure on the right who is really struggling with family, and that is Steven Crowder, who recently came out and made this really bizarre video announcing that his wife is getting a divorce and that he basically insinuated that he wishes that the law weren't so she could unilaterally divorce him, that effectively he wishes he could force her to stay in the marriage indefinitely, which if you don't think that's fucked up, I don't know what to tell you. But normally I'm not going to lie. I feel like something like this would be in bad taste. I don't really like to bring up people's families and stuff like that. That's one reason why we didn't talk about that in the Chris Tyson, Mr. Beast thing. One of the things that conservatives dipped their fingers into was the fact that Chris has a young two-year-old son and they were basically saying that he has destroyed any chance that his son will grow up living a normal life. Again, total nonsense. But at the end of the day, that's not your place. I thought conservatives believed in parental rights and the rights for the parents to live their lives on their own terms and raise their children how they want to raise their children. Apparently not because all of these people think it's appropriate to get involved in Chris's business. But the thing about Crowder is that he just, he comes out with this video and brings up all of this stuff voluntarily. And not only that, the video was, again, it was super weird. It was super uncomfortable. And he uses it as a springboard to attack Candace Owens for some reason, saying that she was extorting his kids and blah, blah, blah. And then he, he finishes this magnum opus by saying, and I quote, this divorce is my fault because I chose wrong. So when you're coming out and you're bringing your family life and divorce and making it part of your show, 
I got to say a lot of my sympathy really drains out of the uh, drains out of the equation at that point. You know, family turmoil, families breaking apart, it's not a fun thing for anyone involved, which is why generally speaking, something you should probably keep private, keep to yourself. I don't really want people going through your dirty laundry on this one, I think. That being said, we have an example of someone who preaches family values and extols the virtues of family values, yet for whatever reason can't seem to walk the walk when it comes to family values. Well, now, I actually had the opportunity to work this into the show. This came out while I was recording. I'm here the next day. I look a little bit more disheveled. Don't have my floral pattern assured. In any case, I'm here the next day. Don't have much time to talk about this. So I'm going to jam a read into this, but I had to, especially considering that I talked about his previous video. And I think that this is a direct sequel to this. So real briefly, I'm not going to play this thing. I encourage you to watch it. It is genuinely disturbing. I would say this video, but for those of you who don't know what this is, this is leaked security cam footage between Steven Crowder and his pregnant wife, Hillary Crowder. I'm going to actually move up here so we can see them a little bit better. So in any case, we talked about his previous video that came out in regards to the divorce. I think this video being leaked is a direct response to that. This is pure speculation. So I will say that outright. I think what has happened here is that someone attached to Hillary Crowder's legal team effectively leaked this out. And this is like a warning shot saying, this is just the tip of the iceberg. If you don't shut your mouth about this Crowder, there's more coming and we have some, we have more damning stuff than this. So buckle up, buddy. Let's go over some of the details very quickly of what he says in this video. What is happening is that his wife is basically saying, I want to go out. I want to get some groceries. I got to get out of the house. Crowder is saying, no, don't take the car. Cause we only have one car for some reason. We have a pool, beautiful patio, all this crap. But for some reason we don't have two cars. I'm barely scraping by as middle-class yet. Somehow my family's managed to scrape together two cars yet. This millionaire can't ridiculous. In any case, she's trying to go out, get some groceries, but he's denying her because he's saying that, what if I want to go to the gym or visit my friends? I won't have access to the transportation. And it's just ridiculous, right? And she's basically saying, I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out. And then this starts a fight where he basically accuses her of not being a worthy wife because, because she won't. And it's a little bit unclear at first. What I thought was he wanted her to do some yard work. He says, put on some gloves and, and go walk the dogs. So I thought like he wanted her to do some outside like yard work, but apparently what this is, is that he wanted her to give the dogs medicine that they needed. And she was worried that this medicine was potentially toxic to pregnant women and didn't want to do that. And Crowder thought this was unacceptable. And then of course, she also was probably refusing to walk the dogs. And I'll tell you exactly why. And this is something that I want to bring up as someone who just had, who was just had a child who just had a wife who was eight months pregnant. Couple things to note here, guys. One that doctors pretty much recommend at the start of pregnancy, but really at the opening of the second trimester that women stop lifting anything above 25 pounds because this can cause strain and damage to the child. Looking at those dogs that Crowder has, they look like they're heavier than 25 pounds. So walking the dog while she's eight months pregnant is potentially 
dangerous to both her and his unborn children because she has two of them. I didn't have twins. I can't imagine the extra pain that her back is enduring from having to carry around what might be upwards of 15 extra pounds all the time, 24-7, always. Not to mention these little guys inside you are constantly kicking at your organs like they're just bruising your kidneys constantly, especially at this time. They're very active and, you know, they're inside you and they're getting basically baby-sized and babies are stronger than you think, guys, especially when they're inside of you and able to attack and kick your organs. It can hurt a lot is what I'm trying to say. So basically is another angle here of abuse. Not only is he abusing her movement, he's abusing her physically because he's demanding she do chores, which would be too demanding for a pregnant woman to do. For example, in my house, we have two cats as well as a dog. And my wife during her pregnancy didn't walk the dog at all. He's a hundred pounds. So not, that's not in the cards at all. And she also didn't clean the litter box because there is an enzyme in cat poop, which can affect a pregnant woman and potentially affect the unborn child. So I clean litter boxes nine months straight. Didn't complain about it. I knew it was something, a very small thing that I had to do on behalf of my wife so that we could have a healthy child when everything was said and done. The tiniest of tiniest of asks, as far as I was concerned. And that's the thing that's so disturbing to me about this video is that when your wife is pregnant, she's incredibly vulnerable and she's going to rely on you. She needs to rely on somebody while she's pregnant. It's one of the most vulnerable states, if not the most vulnerable, a woman is going to be in her entire life, especially if she's going through it for the first time. It's extra scary and there's extra unknowns, especially in this case where there's, there's twins involved. There's even more unknown factors involved. The way he treats her is beyond cruel. It's definitely abusive. There's no question about it. As the video goes on, he starts to basically deny her love outright. He says that her, her Hillary, his ex-wife says, I love you, Stephen. And he outright says, I've never had love for you. You need to prove that you're a worthy wife for my love. What a psychopath. Who in the hell says something like that? It's just unreal to see this is what he, this is what he is acting right in private sessions. This is, could be what he's like acting all the time is what I'm saying, right? This is him in private, no cameras, nothing, nothing's turned on or nothing should be turned on. And this is how he's acting. It's unreal. So I, unfortunately, I know it's like, I got a lot to say about this, but I don't have a lot of time to say it because I got irons in the fire and I want to get the show out today. So I'll, I'll wrap up by saying effectively that if this doesn't end Crowder, I don't know what will. I've seen like, like Candace Owens came, came out and quickly condemned him. It's very clear that she would. They're having beef anyway. And then you could see in some of the comments, like people are actually defending Steven saying like, he didn't actually hit her. Oh, okay. Like the way he talked to her, I wouldn't talk to a dog that way. And not just my own dog, any dog, anybody's dog, right? I wouldn't talk to an animal that way let alone a human being, let alone my wife, the woman I love, people, the person who's carrying two children inside her and on the cusp of starting a new family. It's disgusting. There's no other way to say it. So if this doesn't completely end his career as any, as a commentator or have any clout within the conservative sphere, then I, I don't know what to say to them. You conservatives have just effectively shown that you're outright hypocrites. You don't give a crap about family values. You don't give a crap about being actual good parent 
right? Because not only that, we're learning that when Hillary was giving birth, Crowder wasn't there. He wasn't there in the operating room for the birth of his children. And I, I can't, not even just not there, like not even in the same hospital, right? Like completely absentee for the birth of his children, right? I was there. I was in the fucking operating room with my wife. There's nothing in the world you could have done to keep me from being there. But yeah, this guy clearly doesn't care about his family, clearly doesn't give a shit about anything that he preaches. If he's not done, then this just solidifies the fact that conservatives are the biggest fucking hypocrites on the planet. Anyway, that's all I got to say. So there's a lot of very fresh, like off the cuff remarks going in there. At least I got to talk about it before the show went out and the show will still go out on its regular Friday schedule, hopefully, unless I have some sort of disastrous edit editing problem or processing problem or anything like that. Might be a little late, but it'll still get out there. Any case, back to the regular show. And now we have Kanye West, another figure on the right who is struggling with divorce and keeping his family together. And I don't know what it is, is they always talk about family values and how important family value is and how we should always keep the family unit together. But as soon as these people really go hard right, because Kim Kardashian didn't get with Kanye West when he's on his weird goose-stepping tirade, it's obvious that his weird goose-stepping tirades drove a wedge in between her and him. So it seems like when these people really go far right and really delve into a lot of these conspiracy theories, that's when the spouses are kind of like, okay, I'm off the bus now. I was willing to put up with a lot of stuff, but this is just too much. And again, going back to Crowder, he states in his video that this started in 2021, the year after the right got big into election denial conspiracies and COVID conspiracies. So maybe there's a link, obviously going deep into these right-wing rabbit holes, divides you and your spouse and your family from one another in a lot of circumstances. Elon Musk, another darling poster boy for the right, constantly going out about how we need to have more children, go out, get pregnant, blah, blah, blah. Yet, for whatever reason, he can't seem to support a relationship himself. And it seems like all of his kids are pretty much estranged from him. So it's all fine and good to extol the importance of family and keeping your family together and loving your family and protecting them and cherishing them and helping them grow and interact with the world. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I still think most people out there want to have families. They want to have kids. They want to get together and settle down and have that lifestyle. But the way our system is currently set up, it makes it economically impossible for most people to support families unless you happen to be wealthy or maybe live in an area which actually has a lot of social programs to benefit families. But of course, this never comes into the rights calculation and consideration as to why less people are getting married and why less people are having kids. They think it has all to do with some sort of cultural degradation or some sort of nonsense or cultural degeneracy. I pro tip, there's no way to get people to take you less seriously faster than unironically using the word degenerate, in my opinion. All the word degenerate ever just translates to is something that I don't like and wish would go away. Here's another character on the right that talks a lot about family values, yet does not seem to have a family himself, nor close to starting up a family or anything like that. And that's not like a dig against the guy, because again, we've talked about this before. 
If you don't want to have kids, if you don't want to have a family, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What is wrong is when you spend your time talking about how important it is to have a family, apparently, yet you don't yourself. And not only that, if you've been following some of the drama around this guy, you'll know that both his sister and his father have come out recently and basically called him out for saying that he doesn't practice what he preaches. He doesn't practice what he preaches in terms of valuing family with his own family. And but da- his dad basically comes out and says, I wish he would actually practice what he preaches and actually do what he says he's going to do, but he doesn't. And that would be weird, actually. I think my dad came out and like made some sort of video against me. It's very possible that he would do something like that. <laughs> no, he'd never. I don't think he'd actually do something like that. Although my dad and I, generally speaking, have opposite political views. And of course, there are scores upon scores upon scores of right-wing commentators out there talking about the importance of family who don't have families themselves. Yet I can think of way more commentators on the left who actually do have families and do have kids and at the same time don't spend all their time talking about the importance of it and bring family values back and blah, 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 blah. Because at the end of the day, it turns out that left-wing values actually create a more stable and happy family than right-wing values. Who knew that things like compassion, acceptance, respect might actually lead to a more stable family unit? What a concept. Let's take a look at another conservative who can't seem to hold together family values. That is, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Perhaps we should just call her Marjorie Taylor these days, because, as some of you may know, her husband recently filed for divorce from her. And again, this was a decision on his part unilaterally to leave her. And the reason, basically, why this happened is essentially Marjorie Taylor Greene had several affairs over the course of their relationship. But most notably, she had an affair with a guy who basically looks like he could be Zangief from Street Fighter 2 and happens to be like a fire-breathing communist. You know, this great tanky-looking sort of bodybuilder guy. Anyway, she goes off. She has an affair with this guy, and there is an affair. But of course, always out there trying to slam Democrats for having affairs or having family woes or whatever. Yet, it's all just a projection so people don't go after her for her own family troubles. The thing is, right, it sucks to have this kind of stuff happen in your life. It's awful. Don't make it part of your politics. Because here's the thing. If you go on talking about how, you know, people shouldn't cheat or people should stay together for the family and blah, 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 and then you go around and do the same thing, People are going to call you out on that, and they should call you out on that. If she didn't make this such a core part of her political platform and political messaging, nobody would give two fucks about her family life or what's going on or spend any time mentioning it whatsoever. But when you make it your core political issue, people are going to call you out on your hypocrisy when they see it. Anyway, I could go on. I have many, 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 many more points that I could delve into. So maybe I could make a a part two to this video one week. 
probably not the next immediate week after this, but maybe give us some time and I can come up and I'll reveal the rest of my list. But unfortunately, I've run out of time to record for today and must go on and attend to other affairs. Unfortunately, we don't really have a feel-good story. I'm hoping that this montage of conservative hypocrisy has made you feel good in and of itself. I know, I, I sure know it made me feel good. And that is one thing I think that is happening in politics is the left is once again figuring out how to have fun with their politics and how to have fun while being political. And as much as it, I come on here and I rant and I rave, this show is fun for me. And it is so much fun to talk about this kind of stuff for me personally. And I think that is something that is switching where people used to think that the right wing were the people who were chill and laid back and would let you say or do whatever you want. And the left were the ones that were uptight and stuck up. Now that's changing. Cause when you look at the right and you see all this like crazy anti-trans hate, the mask has totally fallen off. It's no longer about just don't shove it down our throats or whatever. It's about actively shoving their beliefs down your throat. It gets to the point where people are realizing, man, the conservatives are the ones that actually have the stick up their ass not the people on the left. The conservatives are the ones who are actually telling me what I can and can't do and telling me how to live my life, not the left. The conservatives are the ones that hate individual freedom, that hate families, that hate people living free and happy lives, not the left. Anyway, with that, I think I can wrap up today's episode on that note. So I am interested to hear some of your guys' feedback on this one. Like I said, this has been in the works for a little while and finally coming together now. And it was good to go through a long list of things that have been happening in the last week or so, or since we really did our last episode, but also use them as a lens to look through what I think is this kind of transformation and a way conservatives are conducting their political affairs online. Anyway, with that, I want to end the episode there. So I want to thank you guys for watching. This has been The Comrade, signing off for now. And until next time, you guys take care.